When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take some really old stuff and present it in a way that will encourage you for whatever you've got to face today. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. In today's gospel reading, we meet a woman who has a very extensive description of her illness. This is quite rare in biblical literature, and it's really insightful in many ways how Luke describes what she's dealing with. We can hear this physician, Luke, uh, describing her condition, not just in a way that is the obvious diagnosis, but also what it has done for her, done to her. It says Jesus was teaching in his synagogue or in a synagogue on the Sabbath, and a woman appears with a spirit that had been crippled, that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. There's so much packed into these two sentences in English and in Greek and in, you know, any way of expressing what she is dealing with for 18 years. We don't know uh, how, when this started. We don't know how old she is. So 18 years of her life could be from age five to, you know, 18 years, age 20, 30. Um, It's hard to know. We know that most people in this time are younger people um, in that lifespans were probably not quite as long as they are today for people. Uh, people did live a long time in the ancient and first century world. Uh, we have people that are described as being quite elderly by any standards, even ours. But the average age would be younger because of things like infant mortality and other infections and other diseases that modern people are more likely to survive. Although any blanket statement about health in the ancient world is always to be taken with a giant grain of Himalayan salt which isn't that ancient usually. Well, it is. How does it have an expiry date, though? So quackery existed uh, all throughout time and space and human experience. And it was a burden on the people that were suffering the most, of course, the ones who paid all they had. Luke comments that in other places that some people had spent all their money on cures. Uh, So in some ways, the healthcare situation was very different from ours today, and in other ways, for a lot of people, it was the same. And no matter what they did, they were still suffering immensely and feeling like no one understood what they're going through. The literal translation of the Greek, and you can make the meaning of it that you want, um, scholars certainly have in English translations. The New Revised Standard says that She had a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up. Um, Maybe a little more literal is, definitely it says a spirit of infirmity, infirmity, having a spirit of infirmity. Here you can see this calling of the spirit, a breath of infirmity, a spirit of infirmity. It seems as if an alien presence is in her life, a spirit that is animating her um, in a way that is not her. So this 
this very radical change that people would have seen in her when she first developed this illness or when this first struck her um, is indicative even in the language of Luke, that it is almost as if um, there's no way this could just be an illness. There has to be another agent at work. I, I may be pushing this a little bit too far because we talk about illnesses with a lot of metaphors today, um, even the way we talk about fighting cancer and other things. Uh, so we can't really say like that this is a specific diagnosis. This is the way people talk about sickness for all of human history. And it says that for 18 years, she was bent over and not able to lift herself up to the full height, to her full height. Um, this is pointing to the very visible, the, the visible suffering that she carries. She is, looks different. She cannot walk. She cannot look really around her. Job, in Job chapter 9, the same word is used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, to describe Job and how he feels. Job describes himself with this word, to be bent over, to not be able to lift himself up. This is what a spirit of infirmity will do to people. It will cause us to be bent over, not able to look up, not able to look at the faces around us. And that is what she has experienced. When you can't look at the faces of the people around you, you will experience a severe being cut off from the rest of community and how people relate to each other. But Jesus sees her. Jesus sees her when, depending on how you read this text, she cannot see Jesus. The whole point of the description is that she cannot see anything that's above her or at her eye level, what used to be her eye level. We do have this intersection of metaphor and clinical diagnosis existing at the same place, as it often does in our world. I, I think for me, it was something that was often discussed maybe 10, 15 years ago as sort of a new innovation that our minds and our bodies and all those things are connected. And a lot of us had to sort of wake up to that reality for ourselves, that our illnesses were part of a larger picture. And that is hard to, a hard pill to swallow, literally, that there might be a connection between some of our mental processes and illnesses of the mind and mental disorders, that things that are out of order, diseases, things that are at, not at ease in our minds, and the physical manifestations in our bodies. Again, that mind-body split is the ancient heresy that keeps creeping back in. You can see how it exists, though. You can see how people would want to focus on the life of the mind and at the neglect of the body or vice versa. There is that sort of dichotomy in all of humanity. Um, what we know in our heads about the future and life and other things that we can't see and then what we actually physically experience cold and cold and heat and touch and all those other things. So this is an ancient split in our way we think about things, but it's the thing that has to be integrated. And all the great healing movements of the world have always sought to do this, to bring these things together. Because ultimately, it is in their divorce, it is in their split, it is in their disassociation that pathology really flourishes. 
And it's so it is for this woman. For 18 years, she's experienced this complete union of, of inner and outer suffering, the worst combination. Often we will have one without the other, but they are always linked together. So much of our sadness and so much of our discomfort with life comes from the knowledge that we are finite physical beings. The source of anxiety for Kierkegaard is the knowledge that we will one day die. And so whether we are disabled now in this present moment or we, um, or we are healthy in this present moment in what we define as healthy, we um, will all experience, if we live long enough, disability, immobility, dis-ease, disease. We will experience all of it. Um, and so as human beings, we must be compassionate um, just from a very practical standpoint that how we treat people is how we will be treated in those moments of time. But even for a deeper reason, that it is in these moments where we really, really see Jesus in a powerful way. Jesus calls her over to her. And we can see her slowly walking towards Jesus. It's a slow, painful walk. Why doesn't Jesus go to her? This is the mystery of the healings of Jesus. When he says to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And the miracle happens as he stretches out his hand. The thing that he cannot do happens when he does it. I don't know if you can sit with that paradox long enough. And think it through that he can, it is both in the movement and in the empowering of the movement that the miracle happens. And so it is with us. It is when we follow Jesus and we take that step that we find we can take the step. The grace of God comes to us as we are going, not before we go or after we go, but as we are going. And she's cured. And there's a big kerfuffle that breaks out about the Sabbath day. Now, it's hard for us to understand this, perhaps, as modern people who Sunday really is the only day we have to ourselves, the only day that is sacrosanct from a lot of other demands. And yet, um, Sunday is not fully the Sabbath for Christians. Anglican Christians have recognized some aspects of Sabbath keeping on Sunday, um, but our prayers in the prayer book do point to the fact that the Sabbath is still Saturday. Um, And these things change and shift over time, but the ultimate truth in the universe is that healing is always good, especially on the Sabbath. And it is the ultimate hypocrisy to see that something good shouldn't be done on a day that we think other things shouldn't be done. Jesus argues this, that um, you would water your donkey on the Sabbath, you would do something good, and shouldn't this woman who's Satan has bound for 18 long years be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And the answer is yes. You should be set free on any day of the week that it works. Whenever God's grace comes to you, you should embrace it and cheer for it. And we should all celebrate it. We should all cheer for it, even if it happens in a way that we could never expect. So many stories of people's breakthroughs and moments of realization happen at the lowest moments, 
happen in unexpected places and unexpected times. That's how God's grace often works, surprising us in the times that we least expected it to happen. God's grace shows up for us. And so, should not this daughter of Abraham who's been bound be set free? Yes, this is the gospel of liberation. This is the gospel of freedom, that God is leading us into greater freedom, greater community, greater experience of the world around us, that this 18-year spirit of infirmity has been gone. I don't know if you've had to deal with anything for 18 years. It's a long time. Um, and it's time for that to leave. It is time for you to have freedom from that. 18 years is way too long. And Jesus knows that. And God knows it. And I hope you know that. This woman knew that. And when she met Jesus, she went to him. So listen for the voice of Jesus. Go to him. Even if you can't. Because it is in those who can't that go that find it. And this isn't some kind of shamanistic practice where you have to walk through the coals or something to have God's, God love you or something like that. What it is is that Jesus is calling and is empowering. And you will have the power to go to the doctor and say, I've been, dealing, I've been depressed for 18 years or I don't understand why I've been suicidal this long or I don't think I can make it anymore. Go to your physician and tell them that or go to someone you trust and care about that cares about you. Tell them this. Go to your therapist or get a therapist or do whatever it takes to take the step on the healing journey and give it to God. If it's an 18-year memory, take it to the Sacrament of Reconciliation and say, I want to give that memory to God. I don't want to be burdened down, bowed down by this anymore. 18 years is too long for a daughter or son of Abraham to suffer. You are set free, Jesus says. Enjoy that freedom. Live in that freedom. Dance in that freedom. Embrace that freedom. And then offer it to others, because that is what these things are recorded for. So we can do this for the rest of the world for the rest of time. Amen.